Welcome to the Alliance Experience Podcast, a real estate podcast talking all things property management with a side of banter. Your hosts are Sam Riley and myself, Kelly Johnson. Hello, and welcome back to the Alliance Experience. You're probably wondering who this voice is. I'm not Kelly. I'm not Sam. I'm producer Charlie. Producer Charlie. (laughs) I've always always wanted to do that. (laughs) That's fantastic. Good to have you, producer Charlie. I've never been on the mics before, so this is new. I like the deep end. Yeah, yeah. I can't hear you, so I'm going to take my earphones off. But um, today we are going to discuss how to write up a uh, contract, would you call it? Yeah, an offer. An offer, yep, yep. That's what I was looking for. Offer acceptance, OA, yeah. of sale. Yeah. have got every, every term in the book. So many variables on this one, so it's a, it's a good point of discussion, absolutely. Yeah, well, I've never bought a house. I've only built. So I guess I'll be asking the questions from that side, of, I guess. Do you want to buy a house? Um, down the track, Good. looking at it, maybe, maybe. I know a guy. <laughs> Clarkson or I know two. <laughs> Neither, just to give it equal. Neither. All right, we're out. We're <laughs> um, but first, I guess, how was your week? Both of you, we've recorded two podcasts in a couple of days, so we're on to it. But how's it been? It's been fantastic. We did the first one on Monday. I mm-hmm. took Tuesday off. I played golf. It's life of a real estate agent. Fantastic. <laughs> and then I went to work for eight hours on Tuesday afternoon. So there you go. That's right. It's Thursday today. What did I do yesterday? Not much. Office work. Quiet week. Office work. Yeah. 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 So nothing Basically. exciting in the morning. Um, somewhat similar as well. Pretty yeah. steady week this week. Nothing too hard. Recorded on Monday with you guys, which was good. And Tuesday, Wednesday, just admin stuff, a couple of appraisals, a couple of appointments. And here we are today on Thursday. Yeah. Can you confirm? I heard a rumour you were working from your bed on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) He's thrown me in the deep end here. I may have done a half day on Tuesday and then decided to pop Netflix on on Tuesday afternoon. Tough with a a newborn, isn't it? That's right. I don't get much rest anymore. Was that before or after I saw the photo of you and Amy and Bob out the wall? (laughs) Letterbox dropping. That's right. My whole family family came letterbox dropping with me this week. All exhausted after that. Yeah, yeah. Get back into bed. One o'clock. We sound so busy, don't we? (laughs) Yeah. Not a good look. Um, so, yeah, today we're going to talk about uh, contracts and sales. So I guess starting off, how do you, how does one submit an offer? Where does it start? I'll go. I suppose it probably starts viewing the property first, obviously. Mm. You're not going to place an offer without viewing the property or in most cases you won't. Um, so the biggest thing is obviously most properties will have advertised home open times but to register interest in the property before the home open and therefore you may get the chance to view beforehand as well. So a lot of people will wait for home opens and they may not necessarily make it to the home open. You know, take I've got a deal at the moment where we're negotiating on an offer right now. We have a home open tonight, but there's been ample opportunity to view that house before tonight. So we may still cancel that home open tonight if it's mm. if it's done. So, so you haven't done a home open there at all? We've done one on Sunday and Tuesday night. Okay. So there's all been right. ample opportunity to view. Yeah. People have obviously registered their interest from Sunday and, and Tuesday. And just because we have a home open advertised tonight doesn't mean we're going to get there. Yeah, so that's the market know, we're in, isn't it? But anyone that's inquired, I've got their details and I can talk to them and I can rush them through if a decision is imminent. Mm-hmm. So. so it's different to rentals because tenants have to actually view a property before they can apply. Yep. That's different to sales. They don't actually need to view it. Majority will view it mm. before they offer, mm. uh, but there are circumstances out there where people will view, put an offer on site unseen. A year That's ago, crazy. a year ago, I was dealing with quite a few sight unseen offers. Majority of which were coming in from the east coast, yeah. so east coast investors. Where we're doing it, I, I've certainly seen that pull back now. I'm not dealing with it 
much anymore, but mm. certainly a year ago there were a few sight unseen yeah. offers, just people going off the photos or maybe a video that I shot at the That's listing. Crazy. Appointment. Crazy, isn't it? A big it's investment crazy. to go yeah, sight exactly. unseen. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a big investment. Yeah, I guess my next question is um, can reps like yourself help buyers get into the market and put an offer in? Is that something that you guys do or does someone else help with that? So you can get uh, dedicated buyer's agents who can work on behalf of a buyer to find them a property and place an offer on their behalf and, and find them the exact ideal property that they're looking for. We as sales reps, we we ultimately work for the seller. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've got a database of buyers and we, we're working with those buyers to find them a home. So we're not technically buyer's agents, but yes, we, we are helping people with that side of things as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but look, te technically we, we work for the sellers. We have a duty of care to all buyers when it comes to writing offers, which we'll obviously touch on shortly. Um, but yeah, it's Nick, I don't know if you... Yeah, look, the, the short answer is yes, we can help buyers, but there are other jobs out there or other people out there that are, that, you know, their sole job is to help a buyer. Mm. Um, you know, a buyer will pay them and, and that buyer's agent will be retained by that buyer to find them a good deal and negotiate on them a good deal. We don't go to that level, but we can certainly point a buyer in the right direction or mm -hmm. if we've got something off market, um, you know, occasionally buyers will view that and that's us trying to help them at the same time as help our seller. Uh, but as you say, ultimately we are employed by the seller and yep. we have to work for them. Yep. So. Yeah. So we've only got, have we got only got one buyer's agent in the office? Are there many around these days? Do you hear? We don't have any specific buyer's agents in the office, oh, but there are one. people employed in, in a role to assist buyers. Oh, more okay. So. so like um, Cray and Matt, Matt will work mostly with the buyers and, yep. and work their process a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and we call him a buyer's agent, but there are more specific buyer's agents right. out there right. under their own real estate umbrella. Okay. Okay. And this is probably going to be a dumb question, but I'll ask it anyways. Um, Pre-approval. How does that work and is it like, does it help? What's the deal with getting a proof of finance and all that? I think it very much varies sales rep to sales rep on this one. So I myself, I'm not too worried about pre-approval. Obviously, if a buyer comes to me and says, hey, we've got bank pre-approval and they can show me the letter and that, then fantastic. That's great to know. But right now it's it's relatively easy to obtain bank mm -hmm. pre-approval. You can almost do it overnight. Uh, right. So I always go a bit more thorough with my due diligence on all buyers and ask them, you know, are you full-time employed? How long have you been in that role? Are you currently working with a mortgage broker? Uh, all that kind of thing. The buyers who are working with mortgage brokers, I will then contact the mortgage broker and just do a bit of a background check and yeah. make sure the mortgage broker doesn't see or forecast any issues with the buyer's finance. So to me, pre-approval is not something I'm necessarily looking for. It certainly helps, but I'm not too worried as long as they know their financial situation and ideally have a broker that they're working with. I think there's three categories there. You've got your, your pre-approved, your pre-qualified, and then you're just hoping to get there on a whim mm. sort right. of thing. So a lot of buyers are pre-qualified by brokers or, or more. Uh, banks um, and they're the ones that, you know, as Chris said, we'll call the mortgage broker and run through the process with them. Um, you know, Joe Bloggs is putting an offer of 550. Are you happy with their finance situation um, and borrowing capacity? Yeah. So, uh, but most times, often they're not, it's more us having a conversation with a broker that's pre-qualified these buyers than it is a buyer having a, a letter of pre-approval. Absolutely. So, Personally, I will never write an offer. Uh, sorry, I'll write an offer. I'd never present an offer to the seller without knowing without having spoken to the buyer's broker. I won't right. just rely on a pre-approval letter. Okay. I'll absolutely have a conversation first. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, so say that I've seen a house online of one of yours, gone to view it um, on the weekend and I said to you, yep, I want to put an offer in. Then what happens next? We write it up that night. Do you come back to me later? Yeah, look, every situation is a bit different depending on the home open. Um, If it's a quiet one and they've got no more appointments, I'm more than happy to write an offer there and then. Mm -hmm. Um, In most situations, what we'll do is I readily have available expression of interest forms and all they do is give me all the information that you will have in that offer. So things like your full legal name, your address, your email address, your offer price, your deposit, uh, any conditions that you want, which we'll get to. Um, So, yeah, you give me that back. I write all the the pre-populate the offer document. And then I'll send that over to you. We'll have a conversation either over the phone or arrange to meet. If it is your first time making an offer, I tend mm-hmm. to try and do that in person. Yeah. So Yeah. Because yep. it can be quite scary and daunting if you don't know what you're Especially doing. Especially first time around. Yeah. Yep, mm. Definitely. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I use the term hand-holding when I'm talking to sellers, mm-hmm. but it is. It's it's walking you through, not necessarily word by word, but helping you understand exactly yeah. what's in that offer. Yeah. Uh, because once it's signed and agreed by both parties, it is legally binding. There's yeah. no out clause. Yeah. That's, I think, what I would be scared about. About when my time comes to buy something would be oh my god I don't know what I'm doing is this person gonna shaft yes. me because yep. I don't know anything so um, I guess in regards to conditions and all of that is that something that you tell the buyer to put in do you recommend anything so like light fittings blinds curtains like all the stuff that comes to the house is that already in the contract or do you have to say I want that chandelier to stay yeah, it, it, it varies, but regarding the property chattels, so most reps we we always include in there as part of the contract. It comes with um, all fixed light fittings, all window treatments and all fixed floor coverings come okay. with the property. So the way I describe it to buyers and sellers is ultimately if you flip, if you emptied the property, flipped it upside down and shook it, everything loose that would fall out of that property goes with the seller and everything that's fixed and would stay belongs to the buyer. That, right. That's sort of how I describe it okay. loosely okay. to them that's um, good idea. From, yeah. from that aspect. Does that include like what about things like dishwashers? Dishwashers are, are a funny one because if you don't specify it in the contract, then it can get complicated at settlement. So yeah. I will always specify in the property chattel section of the contract the dishwasher does or does not form part of this contract. Okay. Even if there is no dishwasher in the property, okay. I'll put it in there just yep. so we've cleared that up. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. And what about, um, I guess, what's an appropriate amount for a deposit? Anything or? Uh, Not anything. Um, Typically, most of us will work off sort of 10 grand, I believe, um, or 10% if it's a cash offer. Mm -hmm. So if you physically come to me and say, here's my offer of $500,000, I have cash in the bank. I'll get ten percent off that, mm-hmm. so fifty thousand. Uh, but otherwise, ten thousand dollars seems to be the the yeah. appropriate amount. I think that people won't walk away from. Yeah. Um, okay. Because essentially, the only way you'll really lose your deposit, or the, the main way you'll lose your deposit, is if you simply change your mind. Yeah. So if you change your mind and go, oh, you know, I've woken up three days later, I don't want to buy that. I found another house. Mm-hmm. That's the situation where you're likely to lose your deposit. Yeah. Uh, but if you fall over on finance or a condition is not met for whatever reason, you will get that back anyway. You will. So, okay. So ten thousand is that. That fair amount, I think that, you know, it's enough for you to go, yep, I'm, I'm serious about this, but it's not enough for you to physically, yeah, you know, feel sick over, I suppose. And, that, and that's one of the most common questions I get when writing an offer is regarding the deposit, you know, oh, ha- what happens, how do I lose the deposit or what happens with the deposit? And exactly what Nick just touched on, essentially, as a buyer, if you ultimately were to change your mind on the property, then 
yes, you probably are going to lose your deposit. It is mm-hmm. a security deposit. But if the, the deal fell through because your finance fell over or we failed a building and pest inspection or whatever happened, something that's out of your control, mm-hmm. then you will get that deposit back. And so it's good to elaborate on that. Um, okay. Well, a question for you. I just thought of this. A question closer to home. I'm not going to say who because they might be listening. Um, they got a they got pre-approval from the bank. They put an offer in at a property, a couple acres or something like that, big property, Um, but they wanted to use it for, um, I wouldn't say commercial use, but like shooting and things like that, like kangaroo shooting and things like that. But the bank didn't, (laughs) you're both looking at me like, what? (laughs) Nick and I are just staring at each other right now like, oh, where's this question going? Sorry, it's not as hard as you probably think it is. The bank, um, so they, yeah, put their offer in, but then the bank, declined it, I guess, because they didn't, their loan didn't approve with that shooting or, you know, whatever was going to be used okay. on the property. Yeah. So Did they get it, their deposit it... back? Because this person did Correct. not. They didn't? No. Okay. So in, in that situation, knowing little facts, but essentially the bank has declined the loan, um, mm-hmm. so they should be entitled to that deposit okay. back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that seems odd. I'm very I mean, intrigued. It's a conversation yeah, for after. That's I what I, yeah. That seems odd that they didn't get their deposit back. If the yeah. bank declined the loan, they should get their deposit back, but okay. there may be more to that story. There may be conditions in that contract that yeah. uh, are not normal. Um, yeah, it, it's something it, it's very hard to give advice on without knowing yeah, okay. or seeing the contract. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So if, you, if the bank doesn't approve you, you if are. The, if the bank declines your loan application um, or even if your broker says no, you're not in a position to get a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, either a broker or a bank can issue a decline letter now mm-hmm. um, and that's enough for the finance to be fallen over. Um, and, and you get yeah, that back. You, you, yeah, right. Because I worked for a guy at another office. I was his PA and I remember a, um, a no, 1A, what's it called? Oh, and oh, and yeah. <laughs> so, acceptance. Yeah, other yep. way around. Yep. And um, they put a deposit down of $2,000. Mm. Is that normal? Can, can yeah. happen. Um, I've seen thousand dollars on contracts before. Okay. Um, Five thousand seems to be a bit of a popular one. Um, okay. I suppose it comes down to the preference of the agent. Yeah. I think the more deposit you put down, the more security the seller has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know anyone's financial situation, but ten thousand dollars is a lot harder to walk away from than a thousand. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I think ten thousand is that fair and reasonable amount that the sellers should should be happy with. Yeah. The agent will always have their preference on what they deposit what they want the deposit to be, but a buyer can make a request. They can say, look, I can only put down two thousand dollars for this or three thousand dollars. So they can make their request, but exactly as Nick says, the higher the deposit, the more security it is. Okay. All right. Okay, perfect. Then I guess we move on after the offer has been approved by the seller. I guess. Then what happens with inspections and all of that? So or does this does the buyer request to have it or what goes on with that? So jump jump back a step because we haven't talked about the inclusion of of conditions. You okay, you want to make sure that. that they're included before the seller accepts anything. Right. So if the seller accepts your offer and you don't have the inspections, you don't have the right to get them. Right. So okay. um but the building and termites are your main two uh, and then a good working order clause which we write off as a warranty. In our contracts, uh, which is the same thing as just uh, different wording, I suppose, but good working order clause, um, your building inspections, your termite inspections are the main three. You can have any inspection you want, mm. pool inspections, gas inspections. You can mm. have an electrician come through and do an inspection. You, you can do anything of that nature, but they're the three popular ones. 
they are paid for by the buyer within a certain time frame allocated within that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, let's say, it's a termite inspection and there is live termites found, the seller will borne the cost of repairing or eradicating okay. um, that activity. So, okay. Um, same with the building inspection. Uh, if there's structural defects found, keep in mind the standard REWA uh, annexure covers structural issues only, mm-hmm. then the seller will have to repair the structural items. But typically a building inspection will also discuss things that require regular maintenance, um, which may not lead to a structural defect that the seller doesn't have to fix. Right. Okay. Because I've been through a couple of final inspections with um, sales reps from different offices and ours, I guess, and things like um, like a light, a light globe that is blown yep. or, you know, the oven's not quite working properly, heating up or whatever. So the seller has to fix all of that before settlement. Correct. So... The light globe is a bit of a grey one. Um, the fitting has to work. The globe doesn't. Right. The globe's um, same as tenants. The, mm-hmm. the tenants are liable to replace globes. Um, yeah, the, the, rightfully, I suppose there's a difference between doing the right thing and doing the, the contractual thing. Um, but yeah, contractually, the, the fitting needs to work. It's a black and white question. Does it work? Does it not? The right thing typically is globes working um, you know, ovens heating up to their absolute maximum capacity, et cetera. So yeah. um, there is always a grey line conversation mm. and I'm sure you see it as well at final inspections where a buyer wants this to be working and the seller goes, well, it is working but not to its full capacity. Right. It, it's uh, Yeah, this, this is where I find a lot of buyers can get pissed off with real estate agents because that's the touchy topic. Mm. Yeah. Does it work to its full capacity versus does it work? Yeah, yeah. fair. And bear in mind, buyers have got and sellers have got settlement agents on their side as well. So your settlement agent is your your representative of the contract who who knows a lot more about the ins and outs of the contract that, than a first home buyer. Yeah, you know is yeah. going to know. Uh, so they're on your side as well. So if a buyer and a seller can't quite agree on something, the settlement agents can kick in and and cover the fine print essentially and work out right. a solution. Yeah, essentially. Well, that's good to know. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. So you have to, you have to, when you, uh, when you enter into an offer and acceptance agreement, the buyer must have their own settlement agent and the seller must have their own settlement yeah. agent. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's all my questions done, to be honest. There you go. Did you? <laughs> I've We're learned done. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a lot. Did you guys want to add anything to that? Look, I suppose the good one to talk about is the quirky conditions that you see on contract. You've seen Chris over the time, but you know, cleaning conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. What are some other ones? Um, pool inspections. Pool inspections, yeah. They're, they're a big one. You get um, the due diligence clause. Yep. Some buyers put that in. Negotiating over 120-day due diligence at the moment on a land parcel. That's fun. Fun. Not. Wow. <laughs> so, obviously, with rentals, the property has to be returned in the same condition as the tenant found it, whether it's clean or dirty. We obviously try to have the property as clean as possible because nobody wants to move into a dirty house. Um, but that's not the same. No. For sales, which is I don't like. <laughs> so technically the seller the seller does not have to professionally clean the property when yep. they when they give up possession. The property must be returned to the same state as it was initially inspected by the buyer. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. So if you if you think about it though, when a, most most of the time when a seller runs a home open, the property is gonna be presented pretty nicely as buyers come through they want to give themselves the best chance of selling the property. So although it may not be professionally cleaned, usually when a buyer takes possession it's in a pretty good good state. Yeah. 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 That's pretty fair. Mm. The amount of different interpretations of clean that people have. 
drives me insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, someone can say that they've professionally cleaned it and, and it, to their level it yeah. is and then you get a buyer with a very high clean tolerance. Mm. And, um, yeah, you can have pretty difficult conversations when, you know, me, me, I think it's clean but that buyer doesn't. Yeah. Um, it's really tricky. I now encourage both the seller and buyer to arrange their own professional cleaners so that they're aware it's up to their Well, standards. it's the same with idea. us. When we take over new management, we recommend to the, even if the owner's living there in most cases, we recommend to get it professionally cleaned because the owner cleaning it versus what we think is clean is most of the time not on par. I had one of our girls came to me today and she said, oh, the owner's just moved out um, and and it still smells like dog. And I said, was it professionally cleaned? No, they cleaned it and then we asked them to go back and clean it again and it's still not very clean. And that's, it's mentioned on the PCR as well, but, yeah. It's not it's, the way you want to start a relationship no. with the owner, is it? <laughs> no. Can you go back and clean more? No. That's right. Yeah. Most of the time I just say it's not up to our standard. We're just going to get a cleaner in to just do these items. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the easiest thing is take the emotion out of it and just mm -hmm. get it done yeah. uh, a lot of the time. So, um, But, again, tenants have carpet cleaning requirements. Mm -hmm. It's no carpet cleaning requirements on a sale. Yep. So I've had people write conditions around the carpets to be professionally cleaned. Me too. Um, after the owners have vacated mm -hmm. um, bins, there's no requirement on a bin to be cleaned or, or mm -hmm. even emptied. Um, so that's another one that I've seen what about now. about Mm. No. See, I don't like that. The, the only the the pest inspection that that is commonly written in the contract only covers termites or live or, or timber pest. Okay. So fungus and things like that that are you know affecting the property's wood. Yeah. Um. But yeah, nothing. You know, we could sell a house infested with ants, and if it was that way when the buyer bought it. Yeah, it's very different to the property management world, isn't it? it scares me just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hang on. I've got one. I just thought of a question. What happens if a seller has something a shed or something like that that's not council approved yep so i'll always do uh, an initial check when at the time of listing the property you'll ask the sellers what is and isn't council approved on the property uh sometimes they don't know so then we'll contact the council directly okay. and obtain the ba numbers which is the building approval numbers so we can see what is and isn't approved on the property for me, everyone writes their contracts differently, but for me, anything that I know of that is not council approved on that property, that will be noted down in the contract so the buyer is aware that they're taking on something okay. that is not council approved. Have you had any kickback or anyone, anything from that? At this stage, no, because I'm, I'm always just fully open and honest and that's the key to yeah. real estate is just communication and honesty. Yeah. Uh, I don't try and fluff around or muck around. I'll tell buyers, this is the situation take it or leave it, yeah. it's up to you, you know, and, and that's that's just the key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have had a, a curvy one come okay. through. Um, so you, you do as much due diligence as you can and this was a couple of years ago but the sellers had a patio that was approved by council and they tore that down and replaced it with a slightly bigger patio and I'm talking probably only one square metre bigger. Mm. Okay. But they didn't get the new drawings done through council. So they've gone, yep, everything's approved, we're happy. I've done due diligence. It says there's a patio building approval number there. Fantastic. Yeah. It's not the right patio. And it was only the, I think the buyer's settlement agent went back on near maps to check something else and they'd realised that the patio roof had changed colour. Oh. And it was only through that that they picked up that this patio was now different. Yeah. Thankfully, most buyers are understanding that probably 50% of houses have something unapproved these yeah. days mm -hmm. and, yeah. it, and it slid through relatively okay. But something like that can cost 
Yeah. Yep. Mm. yeah. Have you ever had one come back on you at a later date, like a council approval no, or anything No, like that? thankfully, yeah. Obviously, doing the due diligence, you avoid things like this. Yeah. But, yeah, in that situation, because it was a patio, you, you don't question it twice. Yeah. And since then, I've now learnt to ask that question. Have you made any modifications to patios or uh, extensions, et cetera? That, yeah. You know, might, might have occurred through the ownership. Yeah. Just yeah. learn from it. But in that situation, what would happen is um, typically you would go through a retrospective approval process, uh, which can take a couple of weeks, but you'd have to get plans drawn for that patio, submit it to council as a retrospective approval, and they come out and approve it based on how it is now. Mm. But if they say no, that's when thankfully I've not had to deal with them, but issues can arise. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's all me done. Yeah. Cool. Good any chat. Other, Good any chat. Other quirky conditions? Quirky conditions, not really. Although I did get, I, I actually put out on my social media uh, that I was going to be on the podcast this oh my Thursday. God, did you get any I questions? did say, does anyone have any questions? And I did get one come through talking about how do I make my offer stand out from the rest? Because okay. in the current market, we're getting multiple offers on on property still, um, and and I think it was a good one to to talk about. And what I tell buyers is, it's not necessarily always about the money. It's not necessarily always top dollar wins. Some buyers can't push as high as others. And so what other ways can you strengthen your offer? I always tell everyone you can strengthen your offer by simplifying it, not adding in as many conditions, you know, due diligence checks, building inspections, pest inspections. Of course, building and pest inspections, they're pretty stock standard. Most people add them in, but the buyers who tend to get really thorough, want a pool inspection, want this or want that done. You know, if you can take away those annexures, that can help strengthen your offer. A yeah, great okay. deal when you're up against buyers who might be able to push up a higher purchase price, but mm-hmm. they've added in a whole bunch of different annexes and okay. conditions. So, um, yeah, just to, just do, to touch on that one. Do buy, um, sellers, sorry, do they lean away more if there's like a lot of conditions? Do they go, oh, this is a bit too hard. I don't really want to deal with yeah, all that. More boxes to tick is genuinely a concern. Um, don't get me wrong, most sellers will be comfortable that they can tick the boxes on the contract, yeah. but the more hoops to jump through. Yeah. Obviously, the less attractive it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, simple, simplifying offers is a lot better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you obviously, I know as a buyer myself, I would rather do the due diligence as mm. well. So you just got to weigh it up, you know, where, where do you sit in that? Are you wanting the property and happy to take the risk or are you going to be conservative and, and not take the risk? Right. Okay. Have you ever had a cover written letter? Okay. No. Cover letter written? No. Cover written letter. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So in situations where like I've had my seller in a house for 40, 50 years and all they care about is who they've given the house to. Right. Not necessarily the dollar, not the contract. All they cared about was who is going to move into the house and what are they going to do with it. Obviously, Wanneroo is a lot of subdivision zones, so they would basically put a line straight through anyone that wanted to knock down the house and yep. subdivide the land. Yep. And they really cared about who bought it so yeah, wow. yeah oh. i think i had three offers on the property and i got them all to write a cover letter wow oh the situation God. i've never got photos of dogs come back and everything that's amazing i've never and, encountered that and though. we sat down we pretty much put the offers aside and chose off the story of the buyer wow wow yep. there you go so, wow. yeah it's not every property is not every seller is greedy and looking for everything yeah Some yep. just genuinely want their home of 40 50 years cared for absolutely Clearly. Yep. yeah why would they sell it if they uh, people have to downsize. Yeah. yeah, health issues. Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons sellers have to sell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you see some interesting ones. That's after a while. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I haven't it's heard of that one. Interesting stories in real estate, hey? Yeah. 
There you yeah. go. If you ever feel like a seller is emotionally involved, get your buyers to write a cover letter. Yeah, I like that strategy. <laughs> it's good. Why did you get photos signed, of dogs? Signed, dated <laughs> at the end, yeah. yeah. Show, this, is yeah my, show. this is my dog, Toddles. Yeah. This, is, this is my cat. This is my fish. I like this. <laughs> oh, that's cute. All right, well, I think we're going to end it there. Thank you so much for joining me for my first podcast. Charlie, you've been amazing. You've, you've stepped up to the plate. I think you should take over as lead and yeah. we'll put Kelly on. Are you going to come back? I don't know. I'll see how I feel. I'll say we'll, come we'll back watch. like I'm a main part of this, but <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just a feeling that's gone now. Nick, are we even coming back? I don't think we're <laughs> even coming back. I'll, I've see, got the invite. I'll see how the views go and then I'll make my decision on views, <laughs> listens, I don't know yeah. what they're called. but um, Streams. Yeah, yeah, plays, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. retweets. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode on the Alliance Experience. Don't forget to follow us on Insta, alliance.leasing.